Mindfulness Mode 172. What's the most important thing that's holding me back in all areas of my life that I can figure out right now? Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. On Mindfulness Mode, I talk with people from all walks of life to discover the many ways mindfulness has impacted their lives. And today I'm talking with Justin Stenstrom. Justin has had some amazing experiences that have led him to really be a guy who can help us stay on track. And it's December. It's only a couple of weeks until Christmas. It's that time of year when it's not always easy to stay calm and stay focused. Justin talks about ways that we can connect, ways that we can be positive connectors. And that is really important because what better than to connect with the right kind of people in our lives. So stay tuned. Enjoy today's show. I think you're really going to appreciate this. And Justin has a new book about to come out as well that he'll be mentioning. So hope you enjoy the show and can't wait for you to let me know what you think of it. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm really excited today because we've got Justin Stenstrom here today. Hey, Justin, are you in mindfulness mode? Bruce, I am in mindfulness mode and I'm ready to go, man. That's great. Justin Stenstrom is a nationally acclaimed life coach and author. He's an entrepreneur, he's a speaker, and he's the founder of EliteManMagazine.com and the host of the Elite Man podcast on iTunes. He was once anxious, he was insecure, depressed, and unhappy. But Justin has overcome so many of life's greatest obstacles, and now he uses his insight into healthy mindset and mindfulness as powerful ways to help other men reach confidence and success, whether in their personal life or as entrepreneurs or their their business, their work life. So, Justin, tell Mindful Tribe, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness means being aware of your thoughts, of your feelings, uh, of your emotions, and basically um, being able to sort of be at your best in whatever environment you're in, whether it's good or bad. As long as you're in control of yourself, you can then apply that to anything. Well, it sounds like you've really done amazing things in your own life and now you help others. I know that you've done a lot of work helping guys when it comes to meeting women and dating and that kind of thing. So tell us how you can use mindfulness to improve your ability to meet women. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks, Bruce. Uh, a lot of what I used to do, a lot of the early coaching was actually precisely for that, was strictly um, dating coaching and confidence coaching and how guys can kind of communicate, socialize, and attract women. So um, it all actually stemmed, uh, and I guess any kind of dating advice really stem, any good dating advice stems from uh, working on yourself first. So it's not like these gimmicks, it's not these techniques or like these pickup artist things that so some people may have heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it actually comes down to improving who you are, who you are at the core um, and, and gaining a confidence in yourself and understanding in who you are and being comfortable with who you are before you can really attract anyone else. And I think having that mindfulness, that kind of uh, feeling of being aware of your emotions, your feelings um, and, and, and taking that 
can easily be applied to, to dating other women. And as far as like gaining confidence, um, you know, overcoming your fears with other women, that's all mindfulness stuff right there. That's all getting in control of your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, and then being able to overcome that and sort of, um, showing the world that side of you. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely agree with you on that, Justin. So what do you suggest would be the first step if, let's say, uh, one of our Mindful Tribe listeners is a guy listening to this and he's like, yeah, I just haven't met the right woman and I'm kind of frustrated. I sort of don't feel very confident. What's the first step to reaching that level of mindfulness, would you say? I think the first step has to be, I mean, let's kind of going on the confidence route, I would say working on your confidence. And the first thing I like to tell people and, and especially guys, cause I work with guys, uh, I do a lot of life coaching now. So I, I, I do a good, a, a small percentage of dating, strictly dating advice now, mm-hmm. but mostly life coaching. And a lot of the guys I work with, um, come to me for life coaching. They come to me for confidence or they come to me to sort of, um, get over their fears, anxieties, And what I end up finding is a lot of the time is that they're related, like they have um, a lot of dating problems. So a lot of guys that come to me actually have, um, uh, you know, related problems where they come to me for to to get to gain more confidence in whatever aspect it is. But they'll also I'll figure out later on that they have dating problems, that they have problems attracting the opposite sex. So the first thing we work on, like I said, is the confidence. And the first idea I, I really try to instill into their into their mind is that they have confidence. Like I have yet to meet a single guy on this planet who has zero confidence in everything they do. Everybody has some form of confidence in some aspect of life. Like even if you take a lot of these guys I work with, like some of them are self-proclaimed like, you know, video game geeks or, uh, you know, kind of like the nerds or whatever. And I I don't want to pick on these guys because I love these guys and they're so cool. They're great, great people. Um, but a lot of these guys, you know, they'll sit around and play video games all day. They're very introverted, very shy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that environment, in that element with that they're familiar with, they have incredible confidence. If you take one of these guys and then you take another one of the, the clients I have that's like the same guy, the same sort of, uh, you know, video game geek or, or whatever you want to call them. Um, and, and you put them in the same room together and they're playing, you know, uh, Halo or whatever it is they play, Call of Duty. Um, you know, they're going to have incredible confidence in the same room together. They're going to be making jokes. They're going to be probably trash talking each other. They're going to be, you know, talking about how great the game is, all the kind of strategy and stuff. And, um, they're going to be enjoying themselves. They're going to be comfortable and they're going to have incredible confidence. Now you take that guy or you take either one of those guys, and you put them in a social environment, you know, put them in a, a bar or a nightclub, or you put them in sort of a business meeting, a business setting where they have to make a speech and they lose all this confidence. But if they think back to that environment where they are comfortable and confident in and, and start to sort of realize that they have that confidence within them, they're just not realizing it. They can then take that and start to, to implement it into different aspects of life. And they can have incredible confidence in anything they do because it's already natural to have confidence within them. And I think that's the most important thing and probably the, the best place to start is to realize that you have confidence in, in life already. You just have to figure out how to summon it up in different parts. Wow, that's that's really true. That's really great the way you described that. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about you, Justin. And, you know, in my intro, I mentioned that, you know, there was a time when you were anxious and insecure and unhappy. Tell us about that. How did that happen? And then how did you move through it? 
Yeah, thanks for asking, man. Um, I I was very anxious. I was getting uh, three or four panic attacks a week. I was so depressed to the point where I was having suicidal thoughts. And this was about eight years ago. I was about 17, 18 years old at the time. Um, And probably about nine years ago now. Um, But the the point in my life like this point in my life was so bad like i look back at it now i looked back i looked thinking at i remember thinking about it at the time like why am i getting all this stuff why is this happening to me why is my life so miserable but i look back at it now as like really the turning point in my life like sort of the uh the the lynch the 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 starter of this whole path that I'm down now with like self-help and helping other people and, you know, having the site and all that stuff, just being able to reach other people and help all these people with these problems. It was because I went through all that in my life. So it all really happened for me because, um, just leading up to things. I was, I was very shy back in high school. I had no, no social life, no friends, no dating life. I mean, I didn't even kiss a girl till I was about 18 years old, but all, you know, this time period when everyone's going out partying, enjoying themselves and just kind of being, you know, young and, and, and happy. I was the kid who was going home every week, uh, or every day, uh, throughout the weekend and the weekends, just sitting by myself, lonely and and depressed and thinking like, what what am I even doing here? Like, why am I living? There's like nothing to look forward to. I have no direction. I wasn't going to like college or anything. I wasn't getting ready for any of that stuff. Um, I had no idea where I wanted to go. I was totally unhappy and I had no one to talk to about it. And so I started getting these panic attacks too. I think I, think I was getting them because I was like worrying about my future and like worrying what was going to happen to me because I had nothing going on. And then that kind of just added to the problem, made it even worse. And I was getting more panic attacks. And I was getting more depressed and I was anxious all the time. And, um, you know, finally one day I just kind of decided after getting a really bad panic attack, I think, um, I just decided like the next day, like I was going to figure this out. And, you know, from there I started researching stuff looking up everything under the sun about how to fix this problem or these problems that I was having. And it took me a number of years, but I sort of tackled like each thing at a time. And, and it, it first started, of course, with the panic attacks and the anxiety, because I think that was the most crippling to sort of my mindfulness and, um, you know, being aware of, of, of the, the power that I had over, over my thoughts and feelings. Yeah, geez, man, I can really relate to that. I had a a tough time in those years in high school as well. And so, you know, thinking back to the anxiety, it was just like it was crippling. It just felt like it totally was controlling me. And so it's great to hear about your your turnaround and how you just kind of, well, you said, I decided. I just, one day I just decided, and it sounds simple, but whoa, man, like it, it wasn't simple, was it? To come to that point to just make the decision. And did you read books? Did you, did you learn that way? Yeah, I, I did literally everything, man. I read eBooks, I bought books, I bought courses, programs, I watched videos, um, PDFs, like all kinds of stuff. Like even, and this is back in the ancient days where like yeah. this whole internet online world stuff was, was fairly new. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like literally looking at, and I'm still a kid too at the time, so I don't have much money. So I'm getting as much free, I'm getting all the free stuff as possible. But I even, I remember even investing in stuff where I bought like programs for like a couple hundred dollars. I bought videotapes and yeah. courses and stuff. And I, I must've invested even back then, uh, maybe like a thousand bucks or a couple thousand dollars and in, in just improving myself to the point where I was like a hundred percent okay with, um, 
you know, but just being me, like being me as a person, not like this was long before, this was years before even thinking about like coaching or even having the idea of like helping other people, but just improving myself. Uh, I probably invested a thousand or a couple thousand dollars into that. So I, I did everything under the sun and I'm glad, I'm glad you can really appreciate, man, how, yeah. how tough and, you know, crippling this kind of thing can be, how, how hard it can be on someone's life. So, uh, I'm glad you have that sort of uh, connection with me, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, so you did this thing. When was the time that you started to realize it was about mindfulness or mindset? That it was all about that. Oh, this was early on. I think it, it was probably within the first few days that I realized this is all coming from like my brain. This is all upstairs. This is all my mind at work here. Your mind controls everything. It controls your feelings, your emotions, uh, what you're going to do, you know, your attitudes, all that stuff. It all stems from your mind. And it was right away, actually. Um, like I said, within a few days, I stumbled across things, um, like self hypnosis that I fell in love with, um, affirmations, which are pretty cool, but not as great as hypnosis, but affirmations, meditation, um, things like that, that were like so, so powerful. And I, I just remember feeling like an incredible hope after finding these things. Like, you know, I thought all these problems were, were something that at first I thought that there was something that couldn't be fixed, or maybe I needed like, you know, incredible amounts of medication to, to overcome these problems. But when I figured out that it was really all in my mind, that all these problems are stemming um, for my mind and the mind can be fixed and worked on and improved and practiced and all that stuff and refined. Uh, I, I got an incredible sense of hope from that. I got like an unbelievable, um, desire to continue to pursue this goal. Like, like when you're depressed, like I think maybe some people don't really connect with this Bruce, but when you're depressed, it's like you have no hope at all. Like yeah. everything you do is just like, everything is like sucked out of you, all the hope, all the energy, all the vigor of life is like sucked out of you. But when you get something like this, when you get it back, when you get hope, it's like, you know, you just get flooded with like incredible joy and energy and, and, and rejuvenation about life. So it was great to, to kind of learn that mindfulness and, and being in control of your mind was like at, at the, uh, epitome of all this stuff. Wow. Wow. What a revelation. And I want to jump right in and, and get you to just expand on the one of the first things you said, self-hypnosis. That was something that really, really impacted you. Describe your early days of self-hypnosis and what that was like and what that meant to you. <laughs> Thanks for asking, man. I love, love this topic. And I've had a few of the great uh, hypnotists in the world actually on the show. And one guy personally who was responsible, literally responsible for helping me out of my depression. And he didn't even know it until years after I interviewed him, which was pretty cool. Um, but I, the self-hypnosis is, is something I, I happened luckily to fall upon to, to find, uh, in the very first few days of kind of searching for an answer. And I remember getting a book, it was a self-hypnosis book. Um, and remember reading that and just thinking like, oh, you can actually read aloud and hypnotize. Like I had no idea what hypnosis was. I had that kind of image that everybody has where, you know, you get hypnotized by a, by a hypnotist and, you know, he has a clock and a little watch yeah. and, you know, you go into a trance and he makes you do whatever you want. And that's not what hypnosis is at all. But that's kind of what I thought about, thought it was. And then I read this book, started reading it and I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then from there I got some of the, uh, MP3s and, and CDs back in the day, which people really don't even use anymore. But <laughs> I got some of the guys CDs and, um, you know, started listening to them every day. 
And the, the CDs, especially like listening to the guy talk about releasing my depression and my anxiety and my worries, um, was incredible. I would listen to it a couple of times, like just consciously staying awake, keep myself awake. So I kind of had like that conscious idea of what he was talking about. And then I would let him, uh, sort of take me under the trance. And when, when you go into a hypnotic trance, all that, it, it's almost like a, a state and you're probably familiar with this, but it's a state between sleep in wakefulness. Like you're not asleep because when you're asleep, it doesn't work. And when you're awake, when you're fully awake, it doesn't work either because you're consciously thinking about it and stuff. Uh, I just did that particularly just so I can kind of hear what he was saying and, and know what it was about. But when you're fully awake, it doesn't really work either. So it's that state in between sleep and awake. Um, and it's a, it's a very funny, you don't really, when you're fully hypnotized, you don't really hear the words that he's saying. You don't really, or she, um, the hypnotist is saying, you don't comprehend every single line, but you catch a couple words here. You may catch a couple words there, um, but the but what's happening is is they're putting you in a very relaxed, very suggestible state of mind. And we're talking about your subconscious mind here, not your conscious mind, where you think like things. Your subconscious mind is actually the the more powerful part of your mind, the the, the part of your mind that controls your feelings and emotions, and then things like your heartbeat and all sorts of other body, bodily uh, you know ry- rhythms and uh, processes in the body. So your subconscious controls like 90% of what happens in your life. Uh, but people can't tap into the subconscious mind. They tap into their conscious mind. Like you can't say, Oh, I want to feel happy right now. And then, you know, you're happy. But if, if you train your subconscious mind to be happy, then you're going to be happy. And when you're doing self-hypnosis, you're tapping into that subconscious mind where you can then train it. And so like when you tap into it for something like depression, you're basically like hijacking uh, your mind into going into that subconscious mind where you can touch into it and, and give it positive suggestions of like overcoming depression, being happy, having joy, being grateful, uh, being less anxious, things like that. And then so when it's get it tapped, when it's getting tapped into your subconscious mind is getting tapped into frequently, like every day over a period of say three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, um, sometimes a couple of months, your, your subconscious mind then uh, shapes your reality, like your, your real life, your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And then of course your feelings and emotions into then being, uh, into, into that state of mind that you want it to be like that favorable state where you don't have that depression or anxiety or those worries and that you're a more happy person. So it takes a little bit of time, uh, three weeks to say a couple months, but if you do it every day and stick with it, you can train your subconscious mind and get the most sort of benefit from that. Well, Justin, you're just building so much anticipation here because Mindful Tribe is listening and probably thinking, who is this man? What is this book? Tell us. <laughs> so who is this guy? Oh, the guy that I listened to? Yes. Uh, yeah, the guy I had on the show to and and, and listened to was a, a guy by the name of Dr. Andrew Dobson. He's a great hypnotist. I believe he's from New Zealand or uh, Australia, one of those one of those countries. Uh, great guy, really nice, incredible man, uh, really smart. He's a, he's a doctor too, so I mean, it's not like he's just some random guy coming up and mm-hmm. you know saying, "Oh, I'm going to hypnotize you and make you happy." Or no, he's he's very legitimate, very proven. Uh, I think his site's like Mindful Hypnosis or Mind something MindFit Hypnosis. I think it might be right. Um, but he's a great guy. But the, the the thing is, actually, it's not. You don't like you, your listeners don't just have to go to him and check him out. Yeah. If you find any guy who's like reputable and has like credentials um, and is a legitimate hypnotist, you mm-hmm. can see results from any of those guys. Like Paul McKenna is another great guy, mm-hmm. incredible hypnotist. Dr. Uh, Andrew Hill is another great, uh, no, sorry, Dr. Dave Hill. 
okay. another great hypnotist. Like there's so many out there, but they have to be legit. If you sell, if you see people selling, um, you know, programs for like, you know, how to grow taller or how to grow your hair back, those guys probably aren't legit. But if you see right. other people, you know, with like legitimate stuff, like overcoming your fears or confidence building mm-hmm. or socializing or anything that's like feelings and emotions, and they seem like they're really legitimate. I mean, check them out. But you can really benefit by any of these people or even just, you know, some sure. free stuff online that they might have. Sure. So so you've described it as a state between sleep and wakefulness. So tell Mindful Tribe, what is the difference then between this and meditation? Um, I, 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 as far as I understand it, and I love meditation too, I'm not particularly great at it or practice it all the time, but when I do, I I do enjoy it. But as far as I understand it, meditation is more of you concentrating on like your breathing, uh, concentrating on things like getting out all the, uh, like not worrying about anything except for what's happening right now. Like being in the present moment, concentrating on your breathing and letting all your other sort of fears and thoughts kind of escape you for that time that you're doing that. Um, and that's incredibly relaxing and that has an incredible amount of health benefits. Like you can just Google that, research it right now. And there's so many health benefits that are proven, uh, and have been, been proven to work for thousands of years. I mean, they've been practicing meditation for, um, but that's sort of, it's sort of you tapping into your breathing and tapping into your mind and tapping into the mindfulness that you have sure. just by sort of being aware of your of your breath and, and sort of being in the present moment. Hypnosis, on the other hand, is very similar in sort of the state of mind that you're in, but then you also have like those positive suggestions that you're throwing into it and um, sort of that subconscious mind that I like to sort of uh, say is is hijacked at that point for, for the benefit uh, of your own good with those suggestions that are coming in. So it's it's sort of like meditation, but with added affirmations uh, added onto it. So then you went ahead and you wrote a book called Approaching Women. Well, where where did that fit into this? Was this just after you started uh, your hip- self-hypnosis? And uh, I'm just wondering what took you to that step where you, you said, yes, I'm writing a book. Uh, this was actually probably years, four or five years, actually, yeah, five, six years after I figured out this stuff with like, um, getting over my fears, getting over that depression period in my life, the, mm-hmm. the panic attacks I was getting, and then teaching guys how to also get over this stuff and how to get good. Cause after I figured out the, the panic attacks, the depression, I was normal as a person but mm-hmm. I also wasn't fully happy yet. I knew that there was this, I knew there was something kind of still missing that I, you know, I hadn't had before I was getting, I mean, I was, I was good before I was getting the panic attacks and I was depressed, but I was still missing something. I was still looking for something. And that thing that I was missing was a social life, uh, was a dating life, was, was connecting with other people. So then when I figured out this stuff, like the internal stuff, I, I then started, started reaching out to um, to, to, to get good with that social stuff. I started putting myself out of my comfort zone, um, making connections, making friendships. I started learning about how to attract women, like what, what women were looking for, um, things like that. And then I, I, I first initially launched a dating and confidence blog because that was kind of what was on my mind at the time. After I figured out that other stuff, I went immediately to sort of the, the how to attract women part. And then a couple of years after that came up with the book, um, you know, uh, the, the first book I had, the first dating book, and then this approaching women, which is more about 
how to do it in a natural way as opposed to like, you know, like these, like I mentioned earlier, these gimmicks and, and sort of techniques that like pickup artists and stuff do, but how to actually have like a natural conversation with, with a woman and how to get a, a woman, uh, excited, excited to, to talk to you and just be a, be a person, like how to communicate effectively to the opposite sex without being uh, creepy or weird about it. Yeah, sure. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because well, to some people, to some guys, that's a total mystery, you know, and especially if you're in that space where you're lacking confidence and you've got anxiety and it can just seem like you're so far away from that point. So you wrote the book, you've moved forward. Now you're helping men in so many areas as far as even entrepreneurship and so on. So tell us about that. What are the best ways you help guys with mindfulness when you're, when you're working directly with them? Some of the best ways I think, uh, are, are really just understanding where these guys like problems are coming from. Like some guys, uh, are, are, have problems across the board. Like they come to you and they have problems with their dating life. They have problems at work. They have problems with connecting with people. They have problems with anxiety, with their fears. And so it's really just pinpointing kind of like I did, uh, when I first started this on this, on this path, on this journey was figuring out what, what's the most important thing that I need to figure out right now. What's the most important thing that's holding me back in all areas of my life that I can figure out right now and then from that point, I can go forward and, and sort of tackle one issue at a time. Because I think if you try to tackle them all yes. at once, you're going to get kind of frustrated. You're going to, mm -hmm. you know, your mind's going to get overwhelmed and you're not going to be able to do it. I think when we're sort of overloaded with work as human beings, our, our natural reaction sort of hardwired into us is to shut down and yes. to, to feel overwhelmed with, with how much work we have to do. So it's really just figuring out the most important issue uh, that's holding somebody back and then focusing precisely on that issue, whether it's a week, whether it's a couple weeks or a month, just figuring out one issue at a time and then going from there. So a lot of guys will come to me with assortment of problems, but usually it's something like um, their anxiety or something like their ability to socialize with other people. And then once they figure that out, they can then figure out uh, how to connect better at work with people, how to, um, you know, be a better employee, how to, how to, how to um, date women, how to, how to be more attractive to women, how to get it to the point where you can go into a conversation with a woman and then within five minutes, she's attracted to your personality. She's, uh, you know, asking you for your number. She's asking you, Oh, when can I see you again? You know, things like that. Um, so it's really just figuring out the most important thing and then going from there and tackling each issue, uh, thereafter. Wow, that's powerful, man. It really is. Uh, Justin, I've worked in bullying prevention for quite a long time, and I'm sure you've run into situations where some of your clients have been bullied, or maybe even you were. Do you have a story that you can share with us where mindfulness might have made a difference? Um, the, the story, I don't have a, a personal story I can think of right now, but the story, the example I like to give all the time and I'll, I'll say it as a story, sort of like a hypothetical story, because this happens all the time. And I read this, you know, in the news and uh, hear this from from time to time about bullying in schools. You know, they have like the school shootings and stuff like that happening, yeah. you know, unfortunately, um, all the time in America. For sure. Um, but the, the story I like to give, and, and this is sort of uh, an example, an offshoot of what we mentioned earlier with the self-hypnosis. But picture you have this seven-year-old uh, boy, for example. Yeah. And, um, you know, this, this boy's going to school and he's getting bullied, 
Um, he's getting called names. You know, they they call him say you know, ugly or fat or he's a loser. Um, just all these nasty names that you know kids sometimes call each other. Unfortunately, and, and he's getting picked on at school. Um, and so he has all these inputs into his brain. He has all these negative inputs of him being a loser or being fat, ugly, etc. And this starts to shape his his mindset. It starts to shape how he feels about himself. Like again, this is hitting his subconscious brain. It's it's hitting um, the most important part of his getting all this negative input all day long, all week long, all month long, for months at a time or years at a time, even if he's going to grade school. Yeah. And all this negative input is just reinforcing the idea that this kid's a loser, that he's fat, that he's ugly, all these things. And so he starts to have um he has, starts to have problems. He starts to get anxiety. He starts to get panic attacks. He starts to be very depressed. He has no self-esteem. He has no friends. He has no self-confidence. All these negative attributes this young boy starts to have because of all this negative input. And so if for anyone listening, like you want to stop bullying or you want to be a part of sort of the effort to, to end bullying, you really have to, 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 um, be aware of how impactful this can be on someone's life. So this young boy now has all these problems and, you know, he grows up maybe a couple of years later, you know, he's like 12, 15, 12, 13, 14 years old. And he's one of these kids that, you know, brings a gun to school or brings a knife to school because of all this negative input into his brain, all this negative in- that he has no control over. And mind you, it's totally not his fault because he's been given all this stuff by, by bullying and his subconscious mind has no other option but to just tell him that it's all real because it's, you know, what he's getting in from his environment. So I think the core issue is really being able to, to, to uh, tell, I think, bullies and, and just making kids across America or, or any country really understand the impact of, of what they say and, and how much that can impact another child's life. Like what they say has such an impact on the subconscious and, and ultimately the uh, reality of, of another child's mind where that it, you really have to be careful of, of what you say. You, know, you can say things as a joke or whatever from time to time and let that person know it's a joke. But if you really condition someone and it's really as simple as just conditioning someone for uh, a period of time, even you know a short number of weeks or a couple of days. If you condition someone enough, they, that conditioning that you're giving to them, that that negative impact, that name calling that you're giving to that person, is going to ultimately shape their reality, and they're going to actually believe that, whether they want to or not. They're going to actually um, believe that what you're telling them is true, and that that's because of their subconscious minds taking over. Oh, yeah. The subconscious mind. It's just unbelievable how powerful it is. Justin, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? Um, there's certainly been uh, a number of people, but uh, I guess to sort of just narrow it down to one, I'd, I'd have to say... Um, Eckhart Tolle, mm-hmm. he's just been incredible, incredibly powerful in my own life. And like I said, there's been so many, I mentioned Andrew Dobson earlier, yes. um, but just so many people that have helped me along my journey and personal mentors, even, you know, people that aren't necessarily, uh, well known, mm-hmm. uh, but Eckhart Tolle personally, I mean, I've been listening to the power of now for years and just the reality of, of discovering how powerful what we have right now is like, this moment right now, and then this moment, and this moment, and every single moment we have in the present state, like what's happening right now is all we have. And 
and not worrying about the future, not worrying about tomorrow or tonight or not worrying about the past yesterday, three weeks ago, three years ago, 10 years ago, like focusing on what's happening right now and being okay with what's happening right now is just such an incredible mindset. Um, and Eckhart Tolle has been huge because I've been listening to him for years, uh, just teaching me that. Oh yeah. So how has mindfulness affected your emotions, Justin? It's, I've been able to control my emotions and I'm a pretty even keeled person. I mean, I don't really get upset, uh, too often. I don't really kind of fly off the handle, uh, as much as like my dad is, is sort of a hothead and I have that mm. sort of in my genes, I think yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've been in control of, of that side and I don't get too upset. I don't get too down. Uh, when I do get down, I understand that it's kind of a period of time, uh, uh, something that everyone has to go to. And I kind of yeah. go with it as opposed to trying to fight it so much. And I stay uh, aware of kind of, uh, my overall well-being at that point and, and kind of just understand that it's going to be okay, even though, uh, you know, I might be a little sad or a little down from time sure. to time. Sure. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Um, I don't specifically focus on my breathing, but I do make sure that, uh, you know, I, I'm always, I'm always breathing correctly. And when I meditate, especially, you know, I, I meditate probably, I'd say, every couple of weeks, like once every couple of weeks, I have a meditation for about 15, 20 minutes. And that's where I really focus on, um, just breathing, uh, long, deep breaths and taking my time and kind of just being in my own head and, um, aware of my own feelings. And, uh, my meditation, I think is a little different than sort of your, uh, typical meditation. It's like, I'm not necessarily focusing on, uh, just my breathing, but I'm more focusing, meditating on like my thoughts and my ideas where, uh, I like to kind of brainstorm things while I'm meditating, really have like that peaceful time to, to think about my feelings and my thoughts and all my internal things that I don't necessarily, you know, throughout the day running around all day, I don't really get the time to just sit down and, and think about stuff. So that's kind of my meditation that I do. Uh, I focus on my breathing, make sure I'm very relaxed because I know how important it is to be relaxed and I know how powerful breathing is related to that. But I also like to kind of just brainstorm and think about things as well. Sure. Sure. Well, I want to ask you about a book that has helped you to be more mindful. And I know you talked about Andrew Dobson. Maybe it's his book. Tell us, what book would you recommend? Uh, I think it has to be The Power of Now, right. Cartoli. I mean, I actually got the book uh, on, I got the audio book for that. So, I mean, it's like something like seven hours long. Um, but I mean, I, I, it's weird because I sort of use that as a meditation as well. I just throw that on. And his voice is very like monotone. It's not the most exciting voice ever, but I kind of use that to to my advantage where I kind of relax when I'm listening to it. It, it kind of cools me down um, and I just throw that on. It, it, it's so powerful. Just kind of have that in the background. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, do you ever use any apps to help you with your mindfulness? Uh, actually, no, I, I'm, I'm not a huge app guy. I don't, I'm not really too familiar with any, but I would certainly... Uh, I'd love to hear some good apps if, if there is any out there. Yeah, well, a lot of our listeners do mention apps, and yet some other listeners will say, you know what, uh, I don't really use apps because I can be more mindful without them. So it just kind of depends on the person. And uh, different guests that I've had on the show have have mentioned Headspace or the app called Calm, C-A-L-M, there are different apps out there, but wow, it's really been great to connect with you, Justin, and to 
hear your life journey, where you've been going and how you've moved through all this anxiety and all of this. Now tell us, how can Mindful Tribe contact you and learn more about what you do? Bruce, I thank you so much for having me on your show, man. I really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if anyone listening wants to learn more about me, um, feel free to check out my new show. It's the Justin Stenstrom Show, J-U-S-T-I-N-S-T-E-N-S-T-R-O-M, and subscribe to the show. It's a brand new show. Um, We mentioned earlier the Elite Man podcast and kind of that whole movement we do. Uh, This is sort of like that plus 10. I mean, we're doing so much more times 10. We're doing so much more on this show. And, uh, you know, just taking that sort of other side to the guests that we don't typically get to cover on the Elite Man podcast. Uh, so we, we tackle a topic on the Elite Man show. But on this podcast, on the Justin Centrum show, we kind of give you more of the background and the daily habits and sort of the influences that the guests have. And uh, it's great guests like Bruce and a lot of a lot of other top individuals really making an impact on the world so i i, I uh, encourage you to check the show out or or as well if you if you want to check out the uh, website it's elitemanmagazine.com so uh, i really appreciate that bruce oh my pleasure yeah thanks so much for being on the show justin and you take care have a great rest of your day thanks so much man you too okay bye now bye Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.